Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Rosie Walsh is the author of The Love of My Life, a novel. And this is the Instagram Live that I did with the GMA Book Club after Rosie's novel was chosen as the March 2022 Book of the Month by GMA Book Club. Rosie was previously on my podcast for her novel, Ghost It. So here's her bio. Rosie Walsh is the author of the international bestseller, The Man Who Didn't Call, which was a New York Times bestseller in the U.S. under the title Ghosted. The book was published in 35 languages and has sold more than 1.5 million copies. Her next novel, The Love of My Life, just got published with translations all over the world. The Love of My Life has already spent several weeks in the top 10 bestseller list in Germany after an early release. Rosie came to writing after a career in factual television, which took her to some of the most remote places on earth. She wrote her first novel while living in South America, where she met her partner, George. They now live in Devon in the UK with their two young children. Hello. Hello, Zibby, dear. How, hello, everyone else. Yes. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming and letting us talk about Rosie's amazing new book, The Love of My Life, with this beautiful GMA seal. Oh, my God. Were you so excited? Tell me about finding out. 
I mean, it was insane. We'd just moved house, so everything was in chaos. And I knew that it was possibility. Like, I, it, you know, I knew that I knew that we were in the running, but obviously you never assume it's going to happen. And I think they'd said, oh, yeah, we'll know by the end of the week. And it was 5 p.m. on the Friday afternoon. And I suddenly remembered and I was like, oh, man, never mind. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> and then I looked at my emails for something else. And there was an email from um, the head of publicity at Pamela Dorman Books and Viking who published me. And it was it was literally it was written in the subject line. And I just, <laughs> it just everything stopped. And I just looked at it and I opened the email because I just thought, well, that can't actually be, it's not going to actually happen. And of course it had happened and I couldn't speak and I had tears in my eyes and I just showed the phone to my partner. And I don't think I'd even told him I was in, in the running. So he was just like, what, what is this? <laughs> and I, I didn't have the words. It was, oh gosh. I mean, talk about dreaming. It's like so many things that have happened since I wrote Ghosted, I just, I just don't, I, I can't believe it's real. You know, I am just a mum running around with disgusting nappies or diapers, as you guys would call them. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm just a mum dealing with, yeah, with nappies all day long. And to have stuff like this going on in the background across the Atlantic, it's, it's, it's quite unreal. The last time I spoke to you, I feel like Ghosted was just coming out. I don't even know if it had come out yet. And then, of course, that went on to sell, what, over a million copies. It's so amazing. Translated into all sorts of languages. And now this. It's really so exciting to watch your whole career, like, blow up like this. It's amazing. And when you posted this morning about your, your house and the acres of Legos and being in this, like, medieval castle, <laughs> doing your live events from the one clean corner and the rest was, like, completely messy and boxes everywhere. Like, thank you for giving us the visual because I think it's easy to think that everybody else's life is all tidy and neat and, and in order. But, you know. I think anyone who's followed me on Instagram for longer than five minutes knows that my life is never in order. <laughs> Nor is my house, even when I haven't just moved into it. So, yeah, if if, if your life is chaotic too, you too, you're in good company. I feel like you've nailed it, though, Zibby. Like, you you know, your, your, your whole handle, mums don't have time to read books, like... I, I don't. I really don't. But you seem to not only read, be able to read books, but also write them and interview about a million authors and, you know, now be a broadcaster and all of the other many things you do, all the events you hold. And like you, you really are nailing it in a way that I am convinced I never will. That's very sweet of you. But I have to say, your kids are what, five and one? I mean, my kid, my youngest child is seven. Go up okay. to dress now. It's like a, it's a huge turning point. <laughs> is there light at the end of the tunnel then? There is, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. This morning I was like, you know what? I'm just uh, leaving the cereal out and saying like, pour it in the bowl yourself. <laughs> and they did it. My daughter's like, oh, that's great. She went and got the milk. I was like, yes, of course they can do this. They're seven and eight years old, but it's a huge difference. It means that like, I don't have to be on top of them and I don't have to worry that someone's going to fall down the stairs and I don't have to be so physically involved the way you are right now. I mean, you're like in the thick of it. The idea that you can write these books is like, mind-blowing so when did you find time to write this new book how did you write your last book like how do you get the mental clarity even when you're not like totally overwhelmed to focus on your characters so I mean as you know it really doesn't work the way it needs to the way it needs to work is okay baby's napping I've just done a vague job on the devastation of the kitchen sit down go it doesn't work it doesn't work but unfortunately it needs to work because that is quite literally your <laughs> your only time. And I, I had this whole lovely section on my website before about, you know, 
how boundaried I was with time and I use a Pomodoro technique and I do eight of those a day and I go out go out for a walk obviously then I had children and the situation changed quite significantly shall we say it was I will be honest you know this this the this book the love of my life has spanned my entire period of early motherhood my son was five months old when I started it and I finished it four years later last November at which point my daughter was one and a half and my son was four and a half and my writing has been totally chaotic I've had to literally delete that entire page from my website because it's all lies now (laughs) about boundaried and relaxed I am and you know you've got to take a walk because even though it takes time out of your day like it's opening time up no 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 (laughs) that is that is not the case anymore there's nothing else you can't get that time (laughs) exactly exactly so I don't actually have a good answer to to your question I have just written whenever I've been able to morning sickness was a gift because both with both pregnancies it really brought me to my knees so I spent any time that I could when I didn't have my two-year-old with me in bed sort of crying and writing, crying and writing because I felt so awful. And for me, unfortunately, morning sickness went on for the full nine months uh, with the children. So that was helpful. I mean, to a certain extent, sorry? You're the first person I've ever heard who said morning sickness was a gift. So just wanted to flag that. But anyway, keep going. I feel like a gift. And some days I would just sit there Googling, can you die of morning sickness? Or morning sickness has ruined my life. I mean, there there were often days where I got there. But also... To a certain extent, lockdown was a gift because even though it was pretty awful, I think, for anyone with small children, I got two hours a day when my partner would take our kids out, you know, come rain, come shine. And, you know, it was in the winter. So like muddy walks, like not pleasant muddy walks in nice fields, you know, horrible walks in overused woods and fields because the entire city that I used to live in was just full of people desperate to do something with their children because everything was closed. So that was the salvation too. You know, I went through phases where I would, you know, go work at a co-working space and that was helpful. But the the short answer is that there was no time and I fitted it in as and when I could. And it took me four years to write. You know, I don't think it needed to, although I'm glad I did. You know, it's I do think it's a better book for that. There was a lot of polishing and a lot of layering. Did you know how it was going to end up and how everybody was related and all that from the start? Because when I was reading it, I was continually kind of surprised by the way it was weaving and bobbing and all of that good thank you I'm glad I had that experience did I know no (laughs) again you know all of the writing experiences I've had prior to this have been fairly boundaried and tidy and sane-ish in as much as I'm ever going to be sane this one was absolute insanity from start to finish you know I didn't have a solid plan I didn't know what Emma's secret was. I didn't know what she was hiding from Leo. I didn't have any twists. And I had endless, ridiculous conversations with author friends, with editors, with my agents about what the twist's going to be. And, you know, a twist is either going to happen or not. You've just got to wait for it. But, yeah, normally my books are planned quite meticulously in advance. And this one, I think, I'd been sort of officially writing it for like six to eight months and I still hadn't written a word. So at that point, I just thought I've got to just sit down and trust this is going to happen because I cannot sit around here planning any longer. You know, I've I've got a young child (laughs) like this is the situation, the conditions are not going to improve. So so that's what I did. I just started writing and hoped it and prayed it would work out. And it did and it didn't. You know, (laughs) there were some pretty hairy times. Uh, (laughs) where you know I hit 
when I hit the the big reveal that those of you who've read the book will know about, you know, when we actually finally find out why Emma has been lying to Leo for all these years, I couldn't find a way of doing that without it just being a massive information dump. And then after that point, just a sort of a bit of a damp squib. What you have now, once the information is revealed, is quite a dramatic story in the past tense, followed by what turns into quite a dramatic story in the present tense. But I didn't have that at the beginning. So I got stuck for ages. I got stuck for ages and I kept on going every single day because there is no other option. You know, there is no solution to writer's blog other than to just keep showing up at your desk every single day, no matter what. There were days when I write with the font colour turned to white, so I couldn't even see what I was writing. Oh, my gosh. Well, because I just wasn't going to make any progress otherwise. Uh, and that was quite good because it stopped me going back and editing work that probably was going to get, <laughs> get uh, binned anyway. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, That's crazy. Wait, tell me about developing a character who is an obituary writer. Because I, I love reading obituaries. They are the best times, as you said in here, sometimes the most hopeful stories because they find the good in people's lives as opposed to bad news. That must have been fun research to do. Fun, fun is the wrong word. That must have been interesting research to do. Oh, no, it was great fun. Well, I think what most people don't know about obituaries is that obituary writers, there's like a global community of them. They're a thing. And they've got online forums. They've got closed websites. So, you know, they've got all of their Twitter hashtags that they follow. And best of all, and I love this, and I'm devastated that I've not made it yet, largely because of COVID and having children. There's an international obituary writers conference every year an obits conference. I mean, how awesome is that? I think they call it the Grimmies and they have a, you know, they, they, they have an award set, a section called the Grimmies. It's the most fascinating world and it's fascinating because as you rightly picked up, it's a joyous, it's a joyous profession and it's a joyous subject area. It's not about death. It's got nothing to do with death. And actually the only sort of encounters that obituary writers have with death are when they sometimes do need to speak to the family, which does happen fairly often. And I've, I, you know, and I've watched them have those conversations and they're, they're very businesslike. You know, they're, of course, they start with their condolences and sympathies. But, you know, really, they're just interested in information. They are interested in only in a life and painting a portrait of that life. And as it says in the novel, the, the, the Daily Telegraph in London, I believe, is considered the, the, the world standard in obituary. So that's where I asked if I could go and hang around the obituaries desk. And they were wonderful and they kept apologising for how boring it was. And I was just saying, you cannot imagine how fascinating this is to an outsider. They were dealing with some aristocrat who he just died. And one of the things he'd done before dying was to, he, he'd knocked over some animal. He hadn't shot it, but he'd knocked over some animal whilst driving once, probably drunk. Not that that's funny. And he wanted this entire animal mounted on the fender of his car. And that's one of the last things he did. Did before he died. I mean, I I spent my whole time there laughing. It, they they write about extraordinary people, and they love their work. And generally, they are brilliant writers. They're sharp as hell. They're witty. I think actually, it's one of the best jobs in in on the news floor, in any newspaper. I feel like I would want to see my obituary. Like, not that I would necessarily get one, which I probably wouldn't. But let's just pretend there was one. Like, wouldn't you like to read it? I would like to know and have it be able to to have an input like maybe your next book could be like what happens when all the files for all the obits go out and everybody reads their obituary would people change their lives 
Well, that's the thing. And, and I believe actually GMA's book club pick a couple of months, a few months back was about a similar subject. And I deliberately haven't read that book because you know what it's like. It might just drive me mad and make me go crazy <laughs> knowing that. But, you know, it's I, I read a little bit of her description of the book and it's, it sounds great. But, you know, she was talking about exactly what interested me about obituaries, which is the agency that we have in our own story and the stories we tell ourselves about our own story and how much we can affect what other people you know, the, the extent to which we can curate our lives and make people, you know, sort of buy into these, uh, you know, these ideas about us that we that we want them to believe. And it, it all came about, actually, as a result of a, a conversation at a slightly awkward dinner party. The conversation was not flowing, but there, then one of the guys said that he was writing an obituary for somebody. And I didn't realise that obituaries are written in advance. I had no idea. And it just started me thinking, gosh, you know, if you knew you were going to die, would you start sort of, you know, taking obituary writers out for dinner and sort of just dropping, <laughs> dropping, you know, wonderful anecdotes about your life and your goodness and your kindness into the conversation? You know, we, we're so obsessed with our story and it's really funny and, and it's sort of tragicomic that we, that we sort of still want to control how people feel about us after we've gone. <laughs> One time it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what started it off. Um, this fascination with not just the art of writing an obituary, because it really is an art, but our obsession with, you know, with our story, what we think our story is and the the, the tragicomic uh, lengths we go to to try and propagate that story out in the world, both during and after our lives. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. 
There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And what about marine biology? These are very different professions and <laughs> things you'd have to, one minute you're analyzing crabs and then the next minute you know, you're d- dealing with a bit sadness and whatever. So what was that? What was that like? Do you have an inherent interest? How did you even pick that? Or just was it totally random? Or was it said that you could be on a beach or it said that it could be in a beach community or like whatever? I don't know. I'm just guessing. It was, it was purely selfish. And you've read Ghosted. So you will probably remember that, you know, in Ghosted, the, the British countryside, the natural world was almost like a third character in the novel, a sort of silent third character. And I knew that I had, that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, I wanted to write books that brought the natural world into the story and into the character's DNA. And so as soon as I had my headline idea, which was a obituary writer starts researching his wife's life, discovers that she's not who she said she is. My first thought, of course, was, well, who is she? What's her secret? The answer to which was, I don't know. What I did know straight away was that I wanted her to be alone with those secrets under a vast sky with waves rolling in and out. That's all I knew. That's how integral the natural world has sort of become to my process now. Just that image alone is enough for me to start. And so I knew straight away that she had to have some kind of a job to do with the sea. And I just thought, great, marine biologist, done. (laughs) then discover that there's about a thousand different jobs within that within the term marine biologist. So I had to speak to a whole load of people, most of them unsuspecting people that I'd tracked down on Twitter about their jobs until I spoke to somebody at the Marine Biological Association in Plymouth who is an intertidal ecologist. And when I listened to her talking about what she does, I thought, yes, that's the one. And so as with many, you know, many of my books, once I've got the jobs that the people do, I get to go and spend a bit of time in, in those workplaces. And as soon as I'm wandering around in those workplaces with my notebook, and as soon as I'm wandering around outside somewhere in the natural world, ideally somewhere beautiful with my notebook, the ideas just come and I will not stop scribbling. So I have hundreds and hundreds of pages of notebook musings, you know, that aren't, that aren't research, although I have hundreds of those too, pages of those, in fact, hundreds of books of those just musings that I write when I'm in situ researching somebody's job or, you know, some beautiful outdoor place. Can you use any of those things for your next project or subsequent work? Oh, it's a really good question. I would like to because I've got so many beautiful things that I've seen and experienced and heard and listened to and and smelt. Like I do a lot of smelling <laughs> when I'm researching a book because actually the smell of the air is you know smell smell is so evocative for so many of us it's it's you know for me it's a sense that's most likely to make me cry within seconds you know a smell that will take me back to a time from my childhood or or something so I do a lot of sniffing but yeah it seems a shame to waste all of those smells and sounds and tastes and and views maybe good idea I might return to my notebook although the next book I think is going to be set largely in Thailand so oh (laughs) might just have to over to Thailand. Have you started that? Like, what's what's the progress on that? What's the progress or the premise? Both, actually. <laughs> so the premise, I probably, I don't know if I should be talking about this, but what the hell, it's my book. At the beginning of the book, we meet a young couple, a sort of backpacking couple 
who have just got married on a beach in Thailand. They've been together a while, although not for a hugely long time. And they've just got married and it's beautiful and the sky is darkening and, you know, all the fairy lights are coming on and you can see the squid boats out at sea with their amazing, beautiful lights on. And, you know, it's just that lovely and the music's starting. And then the beach is strobed with the lights from police cars. A whole bunch of police cars descend on the beach and they, they arrest the husband this young man and he's taken away you know she's screaming trying to stop it and he's taken away and in spite of her attempts to stop it he is imprisoned in a Thai jail for life and she never sees him again what? And until the beginning of the novel 20 years later when she's married and has children and this guy who she loved so much turns up at her doorstep <laughs> I have written about two paragraphs of the prologue but I have now stopped I, I need to get something down so that I don't panic, but I've stopped now. I'm not going to start writing it for quite a while because I need a break. I really need a break. If I'm going to write a good book next, my next book, I need a break. I feel like, how could she just leave him in the prison all that time? Wouldn't she have all the sorts of guilt? Oh, no. You know, she's going to fly her father over because her father's a lawyer to try and get him out. Like, she's going to be doing a lot. And I think over many years, she would have gone over there trying to get him out or to find him, you know, before she finally gives up and then falls in love with someone else. This is 20 years later, Zibby. Come on. Okay, okay, fine. 20 years is a lot. Right, okay, all right. Would you expect your husband to wait for you for 20 years if you were imprisoned? Yeah, he better. He better, yeah, no, actually, same for mine. But right. they're, only, they're only probably in their early 20s, you know, I think. All right, okay. It's, you know, she'd be losing her childbearing years. No sympathy? A little bit. Okay, may need to rethink this story then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love mean, you. No, that's the important thing. I, uh, I love the idea of them turning up at your doorstep and, you know, all those stories about war where people think that they've lost about, you know, and then years later they're in their other lives and somebody comes back. Always fascinating. Mm -hmm. But what people, how they deal with that situation. So it's the same thing. I can't wait to read it. It sounds amazing. Well, not ready uh, to wait to read it either. <laughs> Quite a big obstacle between here and there, but that's fine. I mean, I, I, again, with little kids at home, I mean, it is hard. I mean, for even the most focused, talented person to be creative on demand is tricky. I mean, it's tough, constant distractions. And anyway, I I've decided I'm going to get a writing coach for this one, not a creative writing coach. I feel like I know how to write a book sort of, but like one of those coaches that helps you with blocks and just getting your bum on seat and getting certain amounts of work done every day. I need that because I spent, you know, four years trying to do that with this book and I got nowhere. So I've accepted I, I need to invite some help in. Have you got someone for me? Yeah. I have someone, she's like a book therapist. Oh, yes. Okay, I'll DM you her information. I need her. <laughs> I just need to commit to getting bum on seat and keeping confidence high, you know, even when you're in that difficult middle bit. Yeah. That's what I need. <laughs> I love how you brought in the diary slash journal as a mechanism in this book. Do you keep your own diaries that are not musings on places that are specific? I don't. I journal therapeutically sometimes when I need to figure out something that's bothering me. But generally, no, I don't keep a diary. And I've really tried. But my experience since becoming a writer is that I just I don't want to do any writing. I don't even want to send a text message these days. <laughs> I want to write my books and then that's it. So, no, I don't do any journaling. And originally, actually, those Janice chapters were narrated by her for various reasons that didn't quite feel right so that's how it came about really it was a more a process of trial and error rather but actually I think they work better as diary entries 
one of many things that my editors <laughs> suggested that I got rid of because it wasn't working. I mean, so many of the good, good bits in this book are as a result of feedback from someone else. It really, <laughs> really does take a village, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> yes. I know you're like sick of writing. What about reading? Do you like to read while you're writing? Or are you one of those people who's like, I can't read? It'll distract me. How do you feel about it? No, I think I think it's hugely important to read whilst you're writing. And my my problem again has been time, and also you know an unexpected side effect of having an unexpectedly successful book is that you get sent about a billion books for review, as I'm sure you know. And you know, plenty of them are from friends as well. It's it's a really difficult situation to be in because I just can't read all of them. I just can't, and I constantly feel like I'm letting people down. But I, I am reading, finally. I realised recently that I hadn't properly read a book in about nine months. I'd read bits of books. but I So I am prioritising that now, and I'm making myself go to bed 15, 20 minutes earlier. So I have now carved out 15 to 20 minutes a day to be reading. And gosh, isn't it lovely? <laughs> it is lovely. The, the joy of reading a good book. And I've also, I've got a lot more brutal these days. Like, if I'm not interested, it's, it's gone. I won't even three chapters if I'm not hooked by the first chapter I'm it, no so what what is the book that's gotten you to actually focus before bed yeah what are you reading what what is the book can you say or not really what that I'm reading at the moment yeah I I've literally just finished one two days ago which was called Nora goes off script I believe it's coming out soon yes April something yeah. like that and I loved it it was really good fun made me love have you read it I'm interviewing her, I think, in two months. So I'm saving it then. It was really good fun. And, I, you know, I've read some quite tough, meaty things lately. So I've just finished that. Oh, yes, and I did start my next book last night. Finally, I'm getting around to reading The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce. We're finally meeting. We have an editor in common. And we live really near each other. But we both have crazy lives because we're both full-time writers with young children. (laughs) So... Do not feel any guilt. You know, obviously, it's the name of my whole show, Months of Time to Read Books. So... No shame. There is time. A couple minutes here and there. Audio books. You know, there will be time. And, you know, there are different ways to read. There are different seasons of reading, if you will. So I have no doubt that you're staying in the game. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a diehard reader. I always have been. I used to devour books as a child. I know my time will come again. I'm just in the season of, of, of raising children. So it just, it just, yeah, something has to go and it can't be my children's welfare. I mean, sometimes it is. (laughs) We'll get better. It will get better. It'll get better. And it, I, I keep proudly telling people that the book that I, the love of my life is a book that will make people neglect their children and families and, and jobs. If you neglect your children, read this book, The Love of My Life. <laughs> no, it's, it has a lot great. of parenthood and motherhood and all of that too. So it's, it's, on, it's on theme, if you will. So Rosie, this was so fun. I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much. I'd love to carry on, but yes. we must have. <laughs> Well, best of luck. Congrats again on being the GMA book club pick for March of 2022. It's really, really exciting. And I'm so thrilled for you. Good morning, America. I still can't believe it. And thank you, dear Zibby. It's so nice to chat to you. You too. too. All right. Good luck. Have a good day. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.